It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Thursday as temperatures begin to, well, they're going to warm up. And that's just the way it's going to be. We'll talk to Paul coming up in about 15 minutes or so to get the latest on weather. It's going to be, uh, like I said, it's going to be, we've had a bunch of those weekends where it's just gotten hot and looks like that's going to be another one of those roundtable discussion. Coming up, we've got uh, Bob Brogan in here along with Susan Littlefield and Austin Jacobson as we take a look at what each of our departments has uh, in store for us over the next couple hours. And always there's lots of stories out there, lots of things to look at. And so let's begin with uh, Susan Littlefield. First of all, Susan. Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday coming from the farm team. Alex will kick it all off with the angler journey as she talks with Emmett Storer, a fifth-generation rancher from the Sandhills, who is now on founder and CEO of Platform Cattle. Then coming up at 1245, I'll speak with agronomist Dave Warner as we talk about fungicide, insecticides, and some of the interesting things that are happening with this year's growing season. And then Shaley wraps everything up at 117 as Nebraska lead is taking a pause for one year it's coming up on the midday from the farm team all right thank you so much susan i appreciate that i imagine a lot of things are well we already know a lot of things are taking pauses that's for sure as we move to sports uh hoping we're hoping we won't see a pause in maybe high school sports nebraska football saying it's got a schedule out it's ready to go of course the first game is against Rutgers, and Rutgers has all kinds of problems with uh, the virus, and so we'll see if that even happens. But uh, right now, sports, uh, high school sports season is a go. We've got baseball, we've got hockey, we've got NBA going on right now. So there are some things to talk about. Let's check in with Austin Jacobson. Hey, thanks, Scott. A lot of big news coming out of college football and college athletics yesterday. We'll take a look at some of the conference schedules for the Big Ten, as well as the Division II announcement that all national championship games will be canceled for the upcoming season. All that and more upcoming at your look at Midday Sports. All right, thanks, Austin. Well, that will certainly change things, and we'll see how teams have, how they're motivated to go if they uh, are having a good season, so that will be difficult. Well, stock market is up today, not as much as it has been in the last couple days. We're looking at uh, Dow Jones up about 14, NASDAQ is up 24, and the S&P is just barely up. Let's talk to Bob for more. Well, stocks are uh, drifting a little bit in trading after a report suggested that the pace of layoffs across the country is slowing, though it remains incredibly high. So uh, stocks drifting right now. Nearly 1.2 million laid-off Americans applied for state unemployment benefits last week, and that was evidence that the coronavirus keeps forcing companies to cut jobs. Uh, Also, Hilton, of course, uh, one of my favorite places to stay, uh, lost $432 million in the second quarter. Uh, Nintendo saw its April-June profit multiply more than sixfold as people Stuck at home over the pandemic, turned to playing video games. So um, lots of folks stayed home, but they played games. And uh, we'll have details on uh, the business news coming up. Friday in the Fields is back with the farm team here on the Rural Radio Network, brought to you by First National Bank. 
We'll tag along near Henderson, Nebraska this year with Matthew Hebner. He's a producer that grows corn and soybeans in the area, and he's been experimenting with relay cropping. Hi, this is Susan Littlefield. I'm going to be going just up the road and around the corner to my neighbors, Tom and Devin Vidichka, just outside of Surprise, as we talk to this father-son duo about corn, beans, and seed corn. Hey there, Clay Patton, and I'm heading west to the UNL Research Station at North Platte. There we'll be following the actual and virtual fields of the 2020 TAP program. So be sure to tune in every Friday during the midday for Fridays in the Field, brought to you by First National Bank. If you miss it on air, don't worry. You can catch it as a podcast as well through our website at ruralradio.com and also the video link as well to see what our farmers are up to. It's Fridays in the Field on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at our weather and what's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here with me. We've seen some kind of scattered showers across the state today into Kansas. That sounds like that's kind of what we can expect over the next few nights. Too. Exactly, yeah. Some, once again, late day and nighttime thunderstorms. These are some thunderstorms that kind of fired up this morning. Then they kind of die down. Then they fire up. Usually by this time, they've pretty much dried yeah. up and gone right. away. But we still have some spotty showers in central and southwest Nebraska. A little bit of shower activity in between Miller and Riverdale, northwest of Kearney, and also north of Vendyville and Sumner. Also, some light rain just to the east of McCook towards the Indianola area. Maybe some light sprinkles left over from some rain from Phillipsburg to Lenora in north central Kansas. Overall, these are dying out. Also, some thunderstorms moving through the Omaha area. And also, a little bit of light rain south of Norfolk and also to about the, uh, I guess we'll call it the Bartlett area in north central Nebraska. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it sounds like we're back on to the back on with the hot weekends again. Too. Exactly. Here comes summer. A good taste of it on the way by the weekend. Right now, temperature is currently in the upper seventies to the low eighties. You're probably feeling that summer-like humidity currently with those dew points in many areas, especially the central and east, in the upper sixties to the low seventies. Dew points not as high as you go into west central Nebraska, northwest Kansas, the northwest. Northeast Colorado with two points there currently in the low to mid-60s. A ridge of high pressure continuing to build onto the plains for today through the weekend. We'll begin a warming trend. Highs today and tomorrow mostly seasonal before it turns slightly warmer than normal over the weekend. Weekend dew points in the upper 60s to the mid-70s and some temperatures into the 90s will cause those heat index values to approach 100 for most of us. Areas east of Highway 281 in eastern Nebraska and Kansas could see heat index readings between 100 and 105. Thunderstorms once again expected to develop over the high plains late today. Some of those could track to the east. Now, these don't look like they will be as organized as what we did see last night. Forecast models don't keep the storms for very long and very well organized in any severe threat on the low side. Additional late day and nighttime thunderstorms remain possible Saturday night as that high pressure ridge starts to flatten out. Some of those storms could be strong to severe. A cold front moves through for Sunday night and keeps the mainly low end chance for late day and nighttime thunderstorms going through Tuesday night. Right now, over the next seven days, probably the lower chance of some rain during the nighttime tonight and then we'll probably see no chance of rain for tomorrow night temperatures by early next week in behind this cold front that moves through for sunday night will cool back to seasonal to slightly below average it's not going to last long any cooler or seasonal temperatures 
not expected to stick around. The long-term forecast indicating overall warmer-than-normal temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and the central and eastern U.S. Tuesday through August 19th, especially in the later periods, it'll stay warmer than normal. The long-term also drier with below-normal rainfall likely for Tuesday through August 19th for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. In today's regional drought monitor, Nebraska improved two percentage points to 44% drought-free. Abnormal dryness to a moderate drought continues just north and south of I-80 from Aurora to North Platte and for southwest Nebraska into the Panhandle. Mostly moderate drought is still found north of I-80 in eastern Nebraska. Far northwest Nebraska in still severe drought. Kansas improved 7 percentage points to 64% drought-free. So if you're keeping score there, Kansas 20 percentage points better off right now than Nebraska. Most of western Kansas abnormally dry to a moderate drought, as is the southeast part of Kansas. Severe drought continues in western Kansas from Wallace County to the southwest corner. Weather factors affecting market trade include deepening dryness in the western Midwest and continued favorable rain. For the Australian wheat areas in the western Midwest, drought-affected areas will see limited rain over the next week. Drought now at extreme levels in west-central Iowa. And keep in mind, they don't have much in the way of ir- uh, irrigation, uh, if at all. Moderate to locally heavy rain in the next five to seven days is predicted to focus on the southern and eastern Midwest, maintaining their favorable crop conditions. The southern plains will have a wide variety of rain amounts the next seven days. Central and eastern areas will see periods of rain with seasonal temperatures. Western and southwestern areas of the southern plains will be dry and hot with crop and pasture deterioration. Both western and eastern wheat areas of Australia will see beneficial rain continue. Heaviest rain totals forecast towards New South Wales. All right, very good. Well, uh, don't don't drain the pool just yet. No, plenty of summer here, yeah. yeah. It it is August, and usually it does start trending down the mid part of August. Uh, We usually kind of see maybe some mediocre warm temperatures, but that doesn't look like it's going to be the case here over the next few weeks. Well, just in time for school to get going. Exactly. Luckily, they have air conditioning now. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Back in our day, we we got those Sundays off. So anyway, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where are you going to check in on your weather? Weather tab krvn.com the angler entrepreneurship journey celebrating success embracing failure and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you the best thing about growing up is you learn to take passion in everything you do as well thanks so much for joining emmett store is a fifth generation farmer from the sand hills of western nebraska growing up was I think for all uh, ranch kids or country kids, especially in Western Nebraska, you kind of grow up just working for your dad. And uh, now I grew up, we were still doing haystacks, and so I didn't have any specific job. But, you know, I'd always be out in the hayfield, or I'd always go, you know, to town with dad. But the grit of it really comes down to you learn how to work in all conditions. You know, whatever your dad says, you get to do. The best thing about growing up is you learn to take passion in everything you do as well his ranching background allowed him to witness entrepreneurship before he even knew what it was well i think all these uh ranchers uh they're entrepreneurs in their everyday life but they don't know that that's the mindset that they have you know they see a problem and they find a way to fix it that's the kind of grit that you see in it but you don't know it at the time and so you don't (laughs) see it as entrepreneurship you see it as work Entrepreneurship is not like a job in the industry where 
it's not a nine to five. It's not an industry. Like there, you can't go like learn one specific skill. You can't do anything. Like it's really like making your own path and solving a problem that no one else gets to see. So I think that understanding that it's not a job that you get to learn. It's more or less uh, how you learn to do a job. Through Angler and Emmett's upbringing, his view of entrepreneurship is finding a problem and fixing it. You can call them problems. You can call them uh, innovations. You can call them finding new ways to do the same service, but more efficiently. And I think in agriculture specifically, well, not even ag, really, just cattle. I think technology and ag overall is actually pretty high. But mm -hmm. you look at just like how, how has technology moved the whole cattle industry and you really start thinking about how can we improve this and one of the biggest things that cattle men i think have and i i want to say most of them can agree with is they're very traditional and so uh, change doesn't come very often and i think technology is is not a change that we have to adapt to but something that we kind of need to learn in order to improve ourselves and as a result of identifying that problem in the cattle industry, today Emmett is the CEO of a cattle consulting business called Platform Cattle, where he focuses on finding solutions to problems for cattlemen and women. I think that's where Engler really came in for me. Um, that's why I started the company Platform Cattle. I think, you know, seed stock producers, ranchers, commercial cattle, I mean, like every, every single segment of the industry have, has their own stress levels and their own times a year mm -hmm. that they're just yeah. max stressed. But it's that stress level and, and how do you begin to take away some of those stresses without scaring cattlemen away from the word corporation? And so I, that's why I think Platform Cattle is really trying to accomplish. We're doing some mocks right now that we're really excited about. Hopefully we get to see kind of how the commercial guy views us and how mm -hmm. easy our services could be to the commercial guy. And then we're also, you know, digging into some of the things that we can do to help seed stock producers uh, have an easier sale day. What we're hoping to have is a kind of viral impact that really brings efficiency to marketing. That's really the goal of what we want to be able to do, and hopefully we find something. You can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Austin Jacobson. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the Nebraska Coney fall sports season is still up in the air. After the NCAA Division II's seven fall championships were canceled due to the challenges presented by COVID-19, 11 of the 23 Division II conferences have already announced that they are not competing this fall. Fall student-athletes were given eligibility flexibility to allow them championship opportunities into the future seasons. Meanwhile, NCAA President Mark Emmerich says whether college sports, and more specifically major college football, can play through the coronavirus is more likely to be determined not by the association or even their conferences, but on a school-by-school -school basis. It was another hectic day yesterday when it started as the independent UConn canceled its football season outright. Big Ten football teams had their schedules released yesterday as well, and all teams are facing their Week 1 opponents the weekend of September 3rd through the 5th. Commissioner Kevin Warren spoke on when teams can resume activities for the fall, to prepare for the upcoming season. Teams will be allowed to open camp this Friday, uh, August 7th, 
And what we're doing is our testing uh, protocols and procedures will be finalized and, and, and activated as we get into full competition. So quite naturally, the week before, you know, September 5th, we have a testing protocols and procedures in a centralized location uh, with coordination of the Big Ten office in place. Spring football practices were canceled for all teams in the conference, and teams that are able to meet for the start of fall practices must pass all Big Ten requirements to begin practices. In Major League Baseball scores, the Chicago Cubs picked up their sixth straight win by beating the skidding Kansas City Royals 6-1, and the St. Louis Cardinals returned to the field for light workouts nearly a week after an outbreak of COVID-19 forced the club and its staff members to quarantine in Milwaukee. The Cardinals returned 13 positive coronavirus tests in their traveling party, seven of them players, forcing them to suspend their season. That's your look at sports here on Midday. For more sports anytime, visit krvn.com. USDA Food Box Distribution is taking place at St. Anne's Parish Center in Lexington. Spokesperson Heidi Ravello says 450 patrons have picked up food boxes, but there are more left and they are ready for others to come through the distribution line. Boxes can be picked up until 1 p.m. this afternoon. The 6th Annual Gibbon Volunteer Fire Department Barbecue Cook-Off is set for Saturday afternoon. Fire Chief Rick Brown talks about what makes this year so special and some changes for this year. We have 12 cooking teams that are going to be competing. Their main cook-off that they do every summer got canceled, so this is the only one so far that they've been able to do, so they're all ready to get out and cook. Everybody's excited about it. We moved our location down to Buffalo Chips for a lot more room and social distance that way. Threw in a cornhole tournament, got some mobile axe throwing, we'll have some bounce houses, and it's going to be a good time for everybody of all ages. Activities for the day start at 11 a.m. with the cornhole tournament. Gates for the barbecue cook-off open at 4 with food available by 5 p.m. Tickets to the all-you-can-eat barbecue are $15 for adults. Children ages 9 to 16 are $10 and 8 and under are free. Nebraska lawmakers have advanced a promise package to soften the impact of local property tax increases, preserve tax incentives for businesses, and commit as much as $300 million in state money to a proposed disaster response facility in Omaha. The measure won first-round approval Wednesday just days before this year's legislative session is scheduled to end. Lawmakers struck the last-minute deal, even though a lot of them said they didn't like much of the package, and others complained that it was being rushed through the legislature. Several rural senators said the property tax portion would only slow the rate of increases for some homeowners, farmers, and business owners. The University of Nebraska Kearney has a total of 23 positive COVID-19 cases on campus. 21 of those cases are student-athletes or coaches. Director of Communications and Marketing Todd Gatula says wait rooms and other facilities have been closed since July 24th when they found out the first positive case. We're just looking after the health and safety and well-being of our athletes and all of our students. That's our top priority and taking all the steps we can. Wear a mask, distance, uh, self-check and report if you have symptoms, kind of all those basic things that uh, we're hearing about every day in this environment. UNK has been conducting 90 athletes' health screenings a day since early June, and Gatula says that is nearly 4,000 screenings in the last two months. Athletic facilities look to be opened back up by August 10th. You can find more news at krvn.com. 
Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Schools and the pandemic. How education can coexist with COVID-19. That's the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum. Tuesday, August 11th from 3 to 4 Central, 2 to 3 Mountain on KRVN. Special guests include Nebraska Department of Education Commissioner Matt Bloomstead, Director of the NSA Jay Beller and more. We'll dive into education in Nebraska during the pandemic. The difficulties of making decisions to go back to school along with how things may look this academic year. Nebraska schools and the pandemic on the next Rural Radio forum for the push and use of insecticides and fungicides to going just a few miles down the road and crops look completely different from what yours do that seems to sum up this year's growing season so far good afternoon i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network we're talking today with helena chemicals sales manager and agronomist dave warner who's based out of albion nebraska as he talks about what producers are telling him Yes, and it's uh, it's really different. Uh, you can go ten miles either direction from here and see a lot of different aspects of what is going on agronomically, plus with the weather, plus with the fungicides, plus with the insecticides. It's just crazy on uh, how one field may be infested with southern rust, and you walk ten other fields and don't find any. So what is important for producers to be doing right now to ensure that they get a decent yield come fall? Well, number one, uh, you know, we're in uh, reproductive stages of the corn and beans right now, so we really need to be watching insecticide, you know, insects right now, either rootworm beetle or Japanese beetle on beans. Uh, You know, we've got this cool weather that's come in now for this last week, and it's flared up a little bit of uh, spider mite activity in corn, which could be progressed later in, you know, where the drought's going on and where this corn is droughty. You know, spider mites have been there for a while with the heat. So with the, with the cool weather, they kind of slowed down a little bit, but they could flare right back up this weekend. Um, in the soybeans, we're seeing insectalized, like I said, the Japanese beetle, but we've also had some uh, bean leaf beetle come back for second generation right now. So, you know, it's just a it's just a a whole plate of things that we're having to watch, you know, going into this. Uh, diseases on corn right now, like I said, uh, southern rust is moving up from the south. We've seen it as far north as southern Boone County. Ants County has it, uh, so it is moving north, uh, but it's very spotty. I mean, some fields you can not find any, and some fields you don't have to walk in 30 feet, and it's very prevalent. So, you know, we we just you just have to be looking out there. You know, it's not the 60 mile an hour drive by. Everything looks good going on right now. It's you know, with the way prices are, we really need to be conscious of what our corn and soybeans look like and making sure that we can get the highest yields out of them this fall that we can. What's the economic threshold as they walk out there and they look at these fields and they see insect damage? Oh, you know, it, uh, right now during uh, reproduction when pods are forming and filling, you know, it's all over the board, but, you know, 
when ponds are filling, if we're flipping a couple ponds for plant, that's that's huge losses for yield. So, you know, I'm telling guys if we've got any kind of threshold, you know, three to four for plant, you know, say Japanese beetle, and and there are more than that. Don't get me wrong, but if we are in that threshold area where they're starting to chew on leaves and are chewing on pods, you know, anytime they chew on a pod right next to the bean itself in the in the pod, it aborts that bean. So, you know, anything right now is very, very stressful for the plant if it's getting any kind of activity. How is the dry land uh, surviving right now in these areas that have not had the moisture that they need? Yeah, some of it not very good. It's got huge tip back you know, on some of this corn, even even a corn that looks good from the road but hasn't had a lot of rain late, uh, you know, this corn's in grain fill right now. So it's uh, it's tipping it back, you know, pretty hard on some of it. It looks good until you start peeling it back. Some of it's already tipped back, you know, one to two inches. So, you know, we, we just got to watch this. You know, can't do anything about Mother Nature. You know, a good thing has been and we don't like it as, as human beings, but the humidity has been terribly high. And so these plants seem to absorb the moisture better, you know, with high humidity. You know, we don't like it at all, but, you know, they sure do, you know, survive with, with higher humidities. The dews in the morning are a good thing. So that is great for the plant to try to survive on. On the other side, it brings them to peace. Any other things that we need to be keeping an eye on in these fields in the next month before we start thinking of combines rolling? Oh, Susan, there's a lot to be looking at. I mean, we, we're a long ways from putting this crop to bed for the year. So, you know, everybody really needs to be watching. You know, northern corn leaf blight has really come on strong here in the last 10 days. Um, so, like I said, so is southern rust. Frog eye on soybeans has started to form on leaves. Very distinct on how to look for that. Important to get out there and scout your fields deep in as well. Those comments coming from agronomist Dave Warner. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the business reports, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been drifting and trading on Wall Street after a report suggested that the pace of layoffs across the country is slowing, though it remains incredibly high. The S&P 500 was little changed after the first 45 minutes of trading. It's cooled off following a four-day winning streak that had brought it back within 2% of its record high for the first time since February. Treasury yields and gold were making more notable moves as investors buried into safer ground and as Washington debates more aid for the economy. Stock markets elsewhere around the world were mixed. Nearly 1.2 million laid-off Americans applied for state unemployment benefits last week, evidence that the coronavirus keeps forcing companies to slash jobs, just as a critical $600 weekly federal jobless payment has expired. The government's report did offer a smidgen of hopeful news. The number of jobless claims declined by 249,000 from the previous week after rising for two straight weeks, and it was the lowest total since mid-March. 
Hilton lost $432 million in the second quarter, but occupancy rates began to improve as hotels reopened and coronavirus restrictions were lifted around the world. Occupancy levels rose 20 percentage points in the U.S. and 15 percentage points in Asia between April and June. Nintendo saw its April through June profit multiply more than sixfold as people stuck at home over the pandemic turned to playing video games. The Japanese manufacturer of Pokemon and Super Mario games, as well as the Switch console, is reporting a quarterly profit of 106.4 billion yen, or about $1 billion, up from 16.6 billion yen last year. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Imagine this, a brand new 2020 Chevrolet Blazer just sitting in your driveway this fall. You know, you can make it happen when you register to win with KRBN, The River, and Cami. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington, Nutrien Ag Solutions, Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, with 43 locations serving Nebraska, and Lexington Regional Health Center are all blazing new trails this summer and giving you more ways to enter to win. Look for the Blazer at summer events, register at participating businesses, and for the first time, you can register at krbn.com. Visit Cozad Auto Supply Cozad, Cornerstone Bank in Grand Island, Albion, and Wilcox, and Heartland Chevrolet Buick Lexington to register to win a 2020 Chevy Blazer from Nebraska Rural Radio. Nebraska LEAD program will pause for one year. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you back on the Rural Radio Network, and we're going to visit with the director of the Nebraska LEAD program today. It's Terry Haney. And Terry, this was a decision you guys came to as a board unanimously and announced this week. It's one that, uh, to my knowledge, you haven't had to do before. You haven't made a decision like quite like this before. So let's walk through that decision, uh, what led up to it, and then what that means for LEAD moving forward well I'll tell you what when we um, when we had to close down lead 38 on their final seminar it's been on our minds since then of what's going to happen this fall with lead 39 second year and then of course bringing a new group into the program lead 40 and so you know it's been on my mind my staff's mind for several months as well as our board um, you know so it, it, it wasn't an easy decision but it was the right decision to suspend the lead programming from September 2020 through August 21 you know the discussions that we've had over the last couple of months uh, were the two major issues which were uh, the safety of the participants the staff and those others involved in our programming as we travel across the state uh, also nationally and internationally and of course secondly the quality of the program now, you talk about those experiences, and I know you, you could have met in person. There would have been a safe way for you to do to meet and to talk, but really, when it comes down to what LEAD offers its participants, the experience is such a large part of that and really a large part of your decision to pause so participants aren't missing out in that way. Exactly. Uh, you know, and I've said this before, and the, and the folks that have gone through the program under under my direction or even uh, the previous director, the late Dr. Alan Blazik, uh, we've, we've always said, you know, it's not uh, what they're going to learn from participating in the program. It's what they're going to learn from each other. And, you know, they each have their own lenses. They're going to have those takeaways from speakers, from tours, 
from our visits and the experiences. They're all going to be different, but then it gives them a chance to talk about it, um, you know, discuss those issues, come up with some solutions. And so, you know, those are those experiences are what really um, makes the program what it is. It helps them truly develop as leaders for Nebraska agriculture and beyond. Just because you're pausing uh, the programs themselves does not mean there won't be anything going on. There'll be stuff happening in the background. Tell us a little bit more about what you have planned in that regard, Terry. So here's what we're going to happen. You know, it, we're, we're not going to be sitting still. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, uh, that we need to do. It gives us an opportunity to take a look at our curriculum, do a real deep dive into it, and and find out, you know, are these the skills, are, are these the tools that the future leaders for Nebraska agriculture need? Uh, it's going to give us an opportunity to do some focus group meetings via Zoom, or maybe if eventually we can meet face-to-face with social distancing, but to find out, you know, from those commodity board leaders, uh, directors of what are the skills that their folks need uh, as they become directors? What are those skills they need? And that gives us a chance to, to retool, revamp, take a look at, at the colleges across the state of Nebraska that support us by hosting us on their campuses. So we're going to be working on that, but we're also going to stay connected with LEAD 39. There's a variety of things that will be optional but highly recommended because they're a outstanding group of future leaders. We want to keep them connected with each other, keep them connected with our office and the board of directors of the Nebraska Ag Leadership Council. And so we've got some fun things, some educational things planned that we're going to be putting out here in the next few months uh, just to keep them connected. Thanks so much, Director of the Nebraska LEAD Program, Terry Haney. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon. As we take a look at the market trade, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to take a look at these closing grain futures with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. Export numbers, what are your thoughts, John, as we look at, at the information that came out to us today? Well, I mean, they're, they're good numbers. We, we knew that China had bought, so you're, you're getting supply size numbers that are going to suffice here, at least on the corn side. You saw Mexico as a purchase buyer as well. Some of the countries that tend to want to buy a lot, Korea, uh, they were involved uh, on the buy side as well. So we're getting some levels in corn where, you know, you don't need me to tell you it's cheap. The buyers are simply trying to figure out kind of the timing of this and when they want to best get involved. Uh, I would look at, uh, if you're going to own corn, don't even worry about trading September or December. You look at March, trading 330-ish would be a good buy, December corn. Uh, for next year, 350-ish would be a good buy, and I think the, you know, the summer contracts for next year anywhere below 340. These are things you can kind of sit on for a while, and, and maybe have a replacement for your grain. Um, I think the downside is to this price point, but it's going to be a slow bleed down from here, in my opinion. I just don't see something directionally that would take it like to 280 by, you know, next week. I think three dollars is, is a target, but you know, to get much below that, you, you really need some negativity from the macro side. We look at the currency, and I know that was talked about earlier today between the U.S. and the re- yeah. dollar and the real. Where are we sitting? Much, much wider than we were a year ago. Um, and from what I'm hearing, profit, profit margins are like 50% now. So while U.S. farmers struggle at the margins or below it, uh, you have produ- production produce- for producers in South America because of just the train wreck that is the currency in Argentina and the Brazilian real that's weakened you know, almost 200% over the last two or three years, uh, you, you've got a parity there where you're seeing a lot of production take place of what would happen in the U.S. That's where it's difficult, you know, where 
the low prices cure low prices uh, slogan doesn't really apply here because low prices aren't really in vogue globally. And I think longer term here that can change with the, you know, with the election, even no matter who wins, you might see some change there uh, or some sort of big um, surprise with this, uh, you know, fiscal stimulus that's going to come down the road here uh, from from Congress and the president soon. So those two things are certainly worth watching. I think that's something that fundamental guys like myself can't really, you know, pinpoint uh, when that turn will happen. Very much so. Real quickly, we saw the struggle in the weed as well today. Oh, it looks like we just lost him. So that was joining us was was John Payne. Of course, you can find out more about John and Daniel's Ag Marketing. You can learn more about them at danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Okay, thank you very much, Susie. And that'll wrap up today's midday program here on KRVF. Now, if you missed anything or any of the commentary, you can listen to our midday podcast, which is available at krvn.com or on iTunes. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motors.